Hi, I'm Millie Petrosa from Creator. You're listening to 99 Rock. Come see us at the Sports Bar and Grill this Saturday. We're Millie. We're Creator. What's up? Metal Nerdery. Mickey. Who was that? Mickey D from he's a former drummer for King Diamond. He played with Motorhead for a while, but he looks like an old Indian chief, doesn't he? <laughs> You've hogged all my mescaline. <laughs> I can't talk to God anymore. He's in the Scorpions now. That's a weird match. And then Lemmy's like, uh, Lemmy doesn't oh, know where he is. Hit my speed. What are we looking at here? It's a picture of Motorhead. At the I understand that. Oh, but... it's oh the twenty best eighties metal albums. Uh, oh, got you. Yeah, sorry. This is all about. Metal and of course metal, as we know it historically, metal, modern metal, basically started in the eighties. That was the the beginning of what we know as metal. Well, what was the seventies? Well, that was kind of like pre-metal. I mean, well, let's be honest. Okay, Sabbath was basically the start of metal, but modern metal, in terms of the way we know it, that's pretty much where the eighties picked up. And here we have a list of uh, was it NME? New music, New music Express, I think. I don't know. What 20 best metal albums. Yeah. I'm guessing this is in no particular order. I guess. They got Judas Priest, British Steel. There's some good songs on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like the album, but it's like, I don't, I'm not as like familiar with that one as like, say like anything for six Black Sabbath albums. Like I couldn't rattle off what tracks I know off of British Steel. I well, you got couldn't. Breaking the Law and Living After Midnight. Well, that's only because it says it in text. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I couldn't pick that out of my head. Otherwise, yeah. you know, like, oh, yeah, man, it was on this album that came out this year. And it was track number five. And I can't do that with this album. But quality. Probably got more familiar with, like, Screaming for Vengeance. And after that. Screaming for Vengeance. Defenders of the Faith. Stuff like that. ACDC, Back in Black, I think that kind of goes without saying. Although, I think, I don't know, do you think people would argue they're not really metal so much as rock? Yeah, absolutely. But in my my uh, my brain, I just kind of, whenever I have that debate, I'm like, did they play it on Headbangers Ball? Okay, whatever. But then, they also played the Black Crows, which is clearly not metal. Not even <laughs> Black Crows. Never Dude, they metal. had long hair, and I don't think they knew what to do with them. So, yeah. it was like, whatever. I mean, the Black Crows sounds like a great death metal band, maybe. You know, but yeah, they're definitely not metal. It's more rock and roll for sure. But uh, yeah, but, you can't deny the ACDC in the eighties. I mean, but Back in Black does kind of have that metal vibe to it. Just kind of that. It's just got the rawness to it. Well, that and the energy because that was first post Bon Scott album, so it was like had this. It's kind of dark, heavy rock and roll. Yeah, you know, I guess a little more like commercial, a bridge, like a yeah. bridge between rock and metal. Yeah, but it's one of those albums that it doesn't matter if it comes on. You're like, hell yeah. Well, it's kind of like that movie you said. It's like, if that comes on, I'm listening to it. There's not a bad song on that album. Not at all. I mean, it's one of those, like, and you don't get that anymore in metal, I don't think. You don't get those albums where it's, like, front to back. It's just, like, it's an experience. Plus, it's a hell of a debut for a new front man. I oh, mean, after, yeah. after, Big time. after somebody like Bon Scott, I mean, it's like, oh, yeah. That's my that's my Brian Johnson impression. <laughs> that was spot on, <laughs> except not really. <laughs> Ace of Spades. You know, I was, 
I've got that, uh, what is it, No Remorse, the best of Motorhead. And I like a lot of the tunes, but it's like I've never listened to like a Motorhead album in its entirety. I probably haven't either. It's like I love Motorhead. I don't think I have either. I love them. Yeah. And whenever they come on, I never turn it off. But yeah, I can't say that I've ever sat and listened to Motorhead albums. Sadly enough, I probably should. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love the first sentence. <laughs> we no, all should. The first sentence in the review for Ace of Spades says, No one wants to admit that all Motorhead albums prior to Orgasmatron in 1986 are all essentially the same record. <laughs> but it's true. Well, I saw them twice. Well, they're solid. I'm trying to think if I saw them. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I saw him at least once, for sure. I saw him open for yeah. uh, Slayer. The Slayer Overkill and Motorhead. Where was that? Uh, Civic Center. Uh, oh, yeah. God, excuse Jeez. me. Yeah, Sorry. I, I was yeah. at that show. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I remember chairs were getting ripped yes. out of the floor. Everybody was like, why are, why are there chairs here? <laughs> I, I heard and that. I think. And they're bolted. Right, yeah, what's, what's this? I heard that story, I think, in high school. I think one day I was like, oh, man, yeah. who shows at this show? The second time I saw Motorhead was... Uh, at Lakewood? No, it was oh, when the, the, wife, the wife got uh, the tickets for that Maiden show up in New York. Oh, nice. So it was uh, Madison Square Garden in New York. It was Iron Maiden, Motorhead, and Dio. Oh, man, killer. Yeah, that would right? have been a killer show. And Lemmy comes out, and he's like, yeah, we're the longest-running opening band in history. <laughs> <laughs> we're Motorhead, we play rock and roll. But, you know, they kicked ass. Which is interesting. So, absolutely. They, they called themselves a... Killing joke? I'm not familiar I with don't, that one. I know them, but I didn't... I never... Metallica did covers of them and well, stuff. Well, there but, you go. While never true metal. But I don't... I mean, I know the name. I know they were a big influence on people, but I've never really listened to them. Well, here's a question to insert into your psyche. Do you think that metal is more the type of music or more the attitude? Or a little both. It's it's both for sure. Both. Yeah. <laughs> both. Both. It's both. Both. B O L T H. Both. I mean, there's all kinds of music that have an edgy type of presence or whatever, but metal is very specific. Yeah. If you ask me, it's it boils down to guitar, bass, and drums, and a front man out there. Yep. I mean, in my there, mind, there's a specific sound for sure. Remember the uh, Beast? I think yeah. that goes without saying. My favorite metal band of all time. The Maiden. The Maiden. I think that's kind of like they're back in black in a way. The new number two. Because that was, oh, yeah. see, that was uh, the first, that was the first Dickinson Yeah, album. yeah, it was first Dickinson, yeah. 82. And that was the last Clyde Burr album, right? I think, I think Nico so. came on a peace of mind. Yeah, I was listening to a thing with Nico a while back, and he said he was actually friends with Clive Burr. Before he got into Maiden and played, awkward. They, well, I guess Nico was in a band that played with Maiden, and they got to be friends or whatever. And then whatever happened, and then Nico got in a band, and then evidently Clive Burr had a big giant, you know, splinter up his ass about it. Kind of like Dave Mustaine and Metallica, I guess. Yeah, ish. So I think I think later on, and as the years passed, it it got spooned over but yeah Clyde Burr didn't like Nico for a long time right <laughs> probably not as much as Jakey Lee didn't like uh, Yngwie yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> oddly enough though Jake likes uh, he likes Zach Wait, no, I, yeah. you almost need to make a sound bite of that just he's a dick <laughs> good stuff but yeah the Maiden there's there's no end to good Maiden songs 
And here's the joy. The only time that it got sort of iffy was when Blaze was in there just because he wasn't the he wasn't a proper singer for Maiden. He yeah. just not that he was a bad singer, but it just Well, you just can't replace that. It'd be like trying to have somebody else sing for Rush. It's like it just wouldn't I know Rush probably Rush in middle. You know, but it's just <laughs> like you can't put a different singer in a band and expect it to still have that same feel, but Bruce, pretty much to me, is our maiden. And those the purists are like, no way, man. Paul Diano's way better. But come on. Bruce Dickinson is the voice of maiden. Well, they they, they were more punk. Yeah. With him. They kind of started out in the punk. Well, they did, but they, they <clears throat> were, punk they were right in that weird crossover right, space yep. because they had people that were coming to their shows that were like part punk scene and part metal scene. And it yep. was like this clash, you know, but it's like that's kind of where it started from. It was like, that's cool. Yeah, because the punk thing was like big at that point late 70s yeah kind of when iron maiden was getting her stuff together but uh if i remember correctly i think they didn't like the punk folks particularly the crowd but Fares i think they won them over though as ozzy would say ha fairies wear boots i read an interview with bruce one time he said uh so he got everybody up in arms but that's bruce he, he basically made a statement that people in punk bands or people that claim Something about they, people that can't play their instruments properly that wish they were in metal bands or something like that. <laughs> oh, boy. Ski, guys. So, yeah. Made some people mad. Uh, venom. Okay, now I will, I will test to this because I've actually heard this album. If you go back and listen to it, I can promise you right now that the production quality you hear on this fine, fine debut episode of our podcast is infinitely better than Venom. I think Venom actually had to have someone pay them to be this bad because the production is black metal. The drums sound like they're hitting cardboard. It sounds like it was recorded in like a like a YMCA bathroom. And it's just it's got this horrible production, but there is something weird about the darkness in it because it's it's almost that cheesy satanic imagery kind of stuff, you know, but it's just like it's almost dumb. I'm not sure I'm buying this list. I mean, you've got Yeah. ACDC back in black and then Venom. That, that, and then you uh, threw Killing Joke in yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, that's not even the same ballpark. Well, I think NME must be some kind of... Let's scroll down quick to see how many other ones suck well, the, here. I think the sad like, thing about the Venom, though, is that the terrible production on this album influenced all the black metal bands that were coming out after <laughs> uh, because they were all going for that lowest... Like, like they recorded at a grave, basically. Yeah, they. It was like, how bad can we make it sound? That was that was the the competition. Put the Marshall in the mausoleum and make it. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> okay, well, ride the lightning. There's some redemption. That's that's definitely one. Can't argue with that. No, I mean that and puppets together are like it's like peas and peas and carrots. The two fecta. Yeah, I mean that's, that's like two perfect albums back to back. It's like Rain of Blood and South of Heaven. It's just like perfect. Sorry, I hate it. <laughs> you know have y'all ever heard Bonded by Blood Exodus yeah well first of all how's the production is it like typical skanky 80s production or is it moderately acceptable it's acceptable I've heard people say that Pleasures of the Flesh sounded worse so worse yeah really I, it always worked for me but I don't know I don't recall it they went back and re-recorded Bonded yeah. by Blood, I think, recently. Seems like if they re-record, though, it's like it changes something about it. It's not. It's well, almost it like a have, cover version of itself. Well, it doesn't have that. They were young and 
it was a new thing and yeah, that's they true. were full of freaking, you know, just whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Spunk. It looks like they're the great grandfathers of thrash metal. I think if, uh, that's what I was thinking, like, you got the big four, it's like, who would the little four be? <clears throat> Exodus would be one of them. Oh, I think Exodus and Overkill would be two guarantees. And uh, Testament? Testament is one that I thought, too. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, when I get to the fourth one, I get, I'm not sure, because there's lots of others. Well, I remember, like, there's tons, I, right? I think, like, Testament and Overkill and those guys, I think they were forbidden, even. They were, like, the yeah, next wave. I thought about forbidden, for sure. Yeah. They were the next wave were, after, like, the whole big four wave. But then you had Sacred Reich, too, which Sacred Reich kicked ass. Yeah. So, I don't know, but. It definitely exploded. If you had a little four, uh, definitely you'd have Overkill. Exodus. Hopefully, there's an Overkill album on this list. I doubt it. Twenty best eighty. <laughs> oh, there's yeah, albums. there's Exodus. Well, if they put Exodus on here, then possibly <laughs> they could put that on there. Yeah, they're obviously not completely stupid. Eighty-five. Wait, so did Kurt record on that, or was he? Did he just write and he was gone before that? I really don't know. I was just trying to read it and see if it said. I do know one thing. I heard a long time ago was, I think Chuck Billy was in a early version of Exodus and their singer was in an early version of Testament and oh, they, wow. like, yeah. they flipped. Huh. There's actually a version of uh, Reign, of, Reign of Terror that's got both <laughs> I think Paul Baloff and Chuck Billy alternating vocals on it. Pretty cool stuff. Great thrash band vocals for sure. Both oh, of those yeah. guys. Chuck Billy was a monster. He still is. I really liked it when like the, the low and demonic type stuff I know that was when they started getting more say, like the, yeah they started getting a little more death a little bit not death but well they brought that heaviness back I, I almost think that I kind of kind of feel like Pantera had a little bit of an influence with that you think well because they pretty much branded heavy music for the 90s I mean they were the go-to band and I think they kind of seeped into yeah. the, the goddamn go-to metal band ever yeah and there's a band that everybody talks about, but I've really never listened to. Celtic Celt- Frost. Mm-hmm. Is it Celtic Frost or Celtic <laughs> Frost? Whatever you want to say. Yo, man, did Kareem Abdul-Jabbar play with Celtic Frost? <laughs> no, man. But Tom uh, Warrior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, a- so many bands talk about these guys, <clears throat> and it's just they're just a band that I never... I just never listened to them. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I remember hearing them on Wreckage, but I'd always just kind of get up to go pee or zone out or something and not listen to them. <laughs> I just didn't care. It was Celtic like, Frost, time for a piss break. <laughs> <laughs> Holding this beer long enough. Well, back then it was probably apple juice. Apple juice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there we he go. He sells. Yeah, that's got to be on there. That. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, what it's got to be on there. Yeah, that's a good one. You know what's sad, though? It, it's almost like what, there needs to be a way to track whatever drugs an artist does for a particular album. Because if they put out an album that's like, like so that's, a, that's a classic. need to put together a drug tracker? <laughs> yeah, there needs to be a drug tracker. Because I think that Megadeth, if Dave could keep taking the same stuff he was taking when he did that, he, he could have just been. What about Rust in Peace? I thought he was clean. I don't think he was 100% clean. I think he he got into a pill thing later, I guess, but I yeah, think but he not, was still with Rust in Peace. Not in 86. Still, oh, well, in 86, he, uh, was, he was hammered, dude. You think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there was uh, that, uh, I never saw it, but the the movie, 
Oh, that one. The one that had oh, all decline the, of the Western civilization. That one. That one. No, actually, I'm thinking about a video he did uh, for a soundtrack. They he did the Alice Cooper song. I oh, think, no, Mr. Like, nice Guy. He's like sitting in the electric chair or whatever. Yeah, he was so okay. medicated. Apparently, yeah, that's that what shoot. they said. They basically had to put him in a chair. Because he couldn't even stand he up. He was oh, so wow. hammered and fucked up that he just literally couldn't. So they function. they threw out all like you know we can't have him playing like you know a, a performance video, so they basically just threw him in a chair and was like you know just mouth some words and act stupid. You, oh, you got to read his autobiography. It's it's a wow. I mean he's done a lot. <laughs> it, it's a hell of a read for sure. But yeah, he was during that time. He was just interesting. Out of, I just but. Considering all that, it's amazing that he could write that those kind of riffs and sing over them. Because I can't sing over anything when I'm playing. That's who gets those performance-enhancing drugs. Hey, oh, I don't see go. how anybody does it. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? There, there we go. There we go. The classic of all classics, Slayer, Rain, and Blood. <laughs> yes, sir. Hold on. What is it? Revisionists will try and have you believe that the raw evilosity, evilosity? evilosity of Hell Awaits and the Lo-Fi Thunder of Show No Mercy are somehow superior to the game change. No way. There's there's nothing that... Even if you did Rain and Blood production for Hell Awaits and Show No Mercy, those two albums still would not be on the same they'd be level. A lot, they'd be a lot better, they'd be, but not on the same level. No, no they'd be no. way better. But you know what's funny? It was when they wrote Rain and Blood, they basically said for them it was just time to do another album. There was no thinking of you know we're gonna make it totally this you know it's like they just went in and did it but then they got rick rubin to produce it and it was like i think rick rubin kind of rick rubin got him to sort of streamline it a little bit maybe well he brought out everything uh, everything was a lot more direct like the drums were the guitars were the vocals were like really direct and they never had that before because it was always buried in reverb. Well, plus they, Rick Rubin was Def Jam. They got signed right. to a rap yeah. label. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, of all things. And yeah, look was, what they did on yeah. a rap label. I mean, that's like... You might even say Slay with the beginning of black metal. You know what I'm saying? I mean, for real. Didn't he play on the Beastie Boys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Slayer, didn't he play? Yeah, Slayer that led Zeppelin, dude. I saw them <laughs> down at the drag show last week. <laughs> Pink Floyd oh, was drag there. strip. Sorry, it was the drag strip show. <laughs> drag strip show. Yeah, Pink Floyd, yeah, Pink Floyd, Slayer, and Zeppelin were all hanging out drinking cold beer. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I don't know. I just know a lot of people got uh, were disappointed. Uh, you know, after this, they thought the next album was just too slow or whatever. But it's I thought still so good though. But it kind of brought out a little. It's a lot different. It's like sure. heavy is subjective, but. What, South of Heaven or, that, yeah. or Rain of Blood? Yeah. South, South of Heaven. Heaven. When they came out, people were like, eh, they slowed down. But to me, it sort of kind of got heavier. Yeah. I remember thinking that, you know, in high school for sure. Well, that was kind of the thing that was mind-blowing is when they played, like on Wreckage, they used to play. Wreckage used to be a local college radio station where they'd, they'd play like metal stuff, like obscure stuff. Still there. I listened to it last night. And they played South of Heaven, and it was like it was slow. It was dark and kind of slow, and I was like, all right, when's it going to get fast? And it never got fast, but it was like trudging. It just kind of had that like 90s yeah. heaviness before that happened, and it was like... All the songs are yeah. so fucking killer, though. Ghost yeah. of War. You that's, I mean, you, it, that's one of those albums back. you just can't... It can't get loud enough. You yeah. Know? yeah, absolutely. It can't get loud <laughs> enough. This needs to go to 11. Yeah, it's, there's not a bad track on it, mm-hmm. front to back. No. If there is, it would be South of Heaven, just because I've heard it 17,000 well, times. 
That's kind of like their uh, Hotel California. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, funny thing about that one is actually that song, Cleanse the Soul, I think Kerry King said that's the one song he always hated because he said it was Slayer's, quote, happy song. <laughs> Which is funny because if you listen to it, there are like some kind of major sounding things, but it's kind of like, that's a Slayer happy song? It's sort of, that's odd. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, the cult. Side note that nobody else knows what we're talking about. Animal Farm, that one song. But they're like, this is our uh, our angry song. Oh, and yeah. And it was like, it sounded like anything that could be on the radio. Yeah. Anyway, Definitely not whatever. angry. The cult. The cult's kind of a uh, weird one. They're not metal. They're Stop not metal. it. They're not metal. No, I don't care who says it. They're not metal. They're not metal. I mean, they do have some rocking stuff. But yeah, they're, they're kind of yeah. like ACDC. They're not really in that. They're kind of in that maybe middle ground. Okay. Well, here's a note I didn't know. Rick Rubin produced that. Interesting. I had no idea. He's had his hands on a lot of things that have kind of, because even that album, I think, has like a pretty direct sound. It's not really, and then ironically, Bob Rock comes and produces Sonic Temple right after that and makes it <laughs> you know, sound like Metallica right. before Metallica. I don't know if I know any song. I, it, they're like one of those bands, like when they, it's, yeah. I, if you heard it be on the like, radio, you might. Right, right. Yeah. It comes on. And I, you recognize like, a singer, but... I can just tell by looking at it that it's not metal. <laughs> yeah, it looks kind of like hippie, like hippie rock, kind of hippie hard rock, maybe. That's a terrible... Well, I mean, it's the 80s, and that dude right there's got short hair, so, you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Bad there's three. another band I really... I never got into them. I'm not I think, familiar. I'm not familiar. I wonder if they were like the beginning of black metal because I thought they were sort of influenced or associated with uh, Venom. Or maybe they were just like from the same, I don't know if they were both Norwegian, but. I don't know. I really Multi instrumentalist Quorthon. 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 Hey, man, what are you watching? Man, I'm watching a Quorthon. Quorthon. <laughs> and left behind the one dimensional satanic hocus pocus. Was becoming more and more interested in pre-Christian Norse religion as the cheap lo-fi sound was there getting more, more considered production of instruments of blues rock was replaced by more European. Where the hell did blues rock come from? I don't even know. Okay, I don't know. I've got Bathory. nothing on this. No. <laughs> Napalm death. death. Saw him live once. Listened to him here and there, but I've never really uh, been big into him. But I respect, I guess, the, what they've done four metal just kind of as a whole because they sort of weren't they kind of the beginning of like grindcore yeah they were one of the first i think kind of like grindcore formally as a genre because i mean you had like death metal and stuff before that but i think the grindcore stuff sort of can evolve like from napalm death 1.3 second long song <laughs> hell they kicked uh sod's ass right? yeah. well i don't know 1.3 seconds? I mean, that's like... It's like somebody out there is like, no, nah, man, that's like a progressive song. It's long. There's so many parts to it. <laughs> 1987. The time I, I saw I saw him at uh, the Masquerade, mm -hmm. it was a cool show. It was Sepultura, Sacred Reich, Napalm Death, and Sick of It All. Oh, wow. And it was a killer show. I bet. Except power problems during Sacred Reich. That's a shame. It was good. It was good. Mud, Mud honey. honey. That's, that's grudge music, right? It's not metal. It's, yeah. It was kind of a grunge precursor. Eh. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I, I kind of like the album titles. 
Super Fuzz Big Muff. I mean, how can you go wrong? I'll tell you the imagery it evoked for me. <laughs> Let me give you some mud, honey, honey. Well, the song title, you got it. Keep it out of my face. Okay. Wow. Touch me, I'm sick. That's a that sounds like the power ballad. <laughs> Touch me, I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, move it on. And there you Death. go. Okay, Death. now we're back. That's serious. I remember we're the first back. time I heard uh, Pull the Plug. We used to jam that. Remember? I know. It was always yeah. funny. We'd like play it and like every time it would get to like the, you know, Pull the Plug. We'd always like do like, you know, the intro to one or like some goofy, stupid riff. <laughs> like just plug it. Literally pull the plug. Ah, see what I did there? Yeah, that was. It seems like the first time I heard Death, though, was Scream Bloody Gore. And if I remember correctly, I think that came out in 87, maybe, or 86. But Death was always, and they kind of ended up going in like this weird progressive yeah, they got, thing later. They sort of went like prog death, if that makes any sense. Mm. They got like, they went into all kind of odd time signatures and just different kind of stuff. And then he actually went, he got another band called uh, Control Denied. And I think they kind of. With that direction. Oh, was it? Was it kind of further. the same proggy sort of Yeah, thing? I think so. Well, see, here's what I wonder now, because now, like with Opeth, Opeth's more of like a, now they're almost more like an old 70s style prog rock band with right. metal touches to it. But when they had kind of their whole, their more metal stuff early on, I kind of wonder if, because Death was more like chugga-chugga death metal early on, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering if... Death kind of went in that same direction. It's like Opeth kind of getting the whole prog thing going. Yeah, they stayed heavier, though. Death, well, doubt. death always did. But, I mean, I, I knew they kept the heavy, that death metal component, but I remember they brought the progginess in, and it sort of opened up their their whole sound, basically, their style. Well, I mean, how can you go wrong with track eight? Choke on it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gross. That's Morbid another angel. band that I... I just never, I guess I never delved into death metal a whole lot. They get name checked a lot, but I just, I've never really gotten big into them. I I couldn't tell you a a Morbid Angel song. You're not metal then if you can't do that, bro. Like, I do remember the guitar player's name was like Trey Azagoth. I've read some interviews with that dude, and he's like, he's on another like dimensional plane. He talks, I mean, he's, he's he's got some difference. He he's got like this weird universal spirituality type. I don't know. He oh wow. He's 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 out there, Jerry. He's out. Yeah, he's out the there. I don't see freaking guitar players. Give it a metal. God flesh. Now that's not. They're more like an industrial uh, band, right? Yeah. Wait a this, minute. Wasn't Justin brought? I feel like he was in Nine Inch Nails. That name sounds familiar. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything about Godflesh. I've heard some of their songs, but that's oh, about wait a it. Minute. Godflesh showed the way forward as industrial music in the 90s, as well as accidentally inventing new metal. Okay, we can skip them now. Let's move on. <laughs> Moving on. Excellent. No new metal. Well, people say Anthrax accidentally invented rap metal, so, you know. Pioneered, I think, oh, is boy. the better word. But Bring the noise. But now we're going on a tangent. Yeah. Godflesh, goodbye. Ministry. Ministry. Eh. I always like ministry. I liked them. They, they, they I think they kind of straddled the metal industrial. Definitely, I mean, definitely. They definitely had a very strong industrial, but they, they, they kept the guitars and the, they, you know, the oh, they yeah. didn't just go all, uh, you know, 
Well, they still had kind of the energy, right? But I mean, they. Well, they that's what I'm saying. They had the energy. Flavor. They they kept they kept instruments. They didn't just go all right. program. Oh, so it was, okay, so it wasn't all. Yeah. Like, hey man, hold on, my hard drive crashed. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was always a good sound for sure. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Marcus, there's an interesting. I haven't heard that album, but I know hard work is good stuff. Okay. Yeah. I think hard work was. I never really listened to a lot of the early stuff, but I think hard work was kind of the beginning of the melodic death metal yeah. type. It had the heaviness and the vocals, but they actually started putting melodies into the, the music. Mm. It wasn't just all. That one they released a few years ago was it Surgical Steel, I think. It was something like that. It was really good. I mean, the production was great, and it had like that. It was like getting in a time machine and going back to like the late 80s. I'm not familiar with Symphonies of Sickness, but I mean, it just it had that going well, I back think in time vibe. Something I read about them, I think things are fuzzy, but uh, it's like they used to come up with uh, lyric ideas. They basically would like sit with a uh, like a medical manual or whatever, you know, <laughs> and like that's how they would come up with song titles and it's like mom song comes ideas, in. you know, and it's one way to do it. Well, I mean, look at look at that. <laughs> I don't even. What you reading, honey? A medical manual. <laughs> I'm glad you're getting smarter. Yeah, is that all of them? I guess that's that. Ah. That's the twenty. I'm not. I don't know about that list. There's know. some decent stuff, but uh, I think they kind of. They were. They were that's reaching. Terrible. They were reaching. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if list. there's a twenty best thrash metal albums of all time. I'm sure there is, but then I. But I don't wonder. I'm like. How many thrash bands have we not heard of? I mean, we've heard of several. I mean, obviously, we've already name-checked some that probably the whole planet knows. Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax. 20 best thrash metal albums of all time. Okay, this is from Hammer, so this is not Annihilating. MC. Okay, yeah. I like that. This is better than NME, so we're off to a good start. Annihilator. Yep, I saw them live once. Yeah, that was, Yeah, we were, I think we were both at that one. Testament, uh, Rap yep. Child America. Yeah, yeah, that was a great yeah, show. I like that one. That was a great show. Elsa Hell's a good album. That that, that show is where, uh, that's worse than hell. That's that show. <laughs> hell? Oh, that's worse than hell, man. <laughs> Sabbath. Never really heard them. I had one of their tapes. I can't really remember it, but. Uh, I can't either. It's terrible. It seems like I remember they were. Like kind of extreme, but I don't. I don't just remember much about them. Years of okay. Decay. That's a classic. Years of Decay is a definite. That's got to be on the list. They're part of the little four, so you know. <laughs> I don't know. I think Years of Decay is sort of. If I had to draw an analogy, like between Rain and Blood and South of Heaven, I think Years of Decay is kind of like their South of Heaven. Oh yeah. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, because Welcome. Or uh, what? A, what was the one? Uh, Under the influence. Under the influence. That was, was eighty-eight, uh, I think. That was kind of like my first Overkill album. I love that album. It was mine too. But something about Years of Decay just had that. Just no, that one. Yeah, that one started. It. it got a little heavier. Hmm. Well, it was definitely had a darker vibe than the one before. But I mean, something about that album to me is just like. If I had to recommend, I mean, I love Under the Influence, but if I was going to start someone on an Overkill. Trek, I'd give them that first. No, yeah. Decay. Yeah, but mean, Hello from the Gutter is not on that one. True. <laughs> but Elimination is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Playing with Spiders. Elimination. 
<laughs> Nuclear Assault. Yes. I I like those guys. I really did. Wasn't the singer's they, uh, name John Connolly? Yeah. That always makes me think of that 24-7 Spy song, John Connolly's Theory. It's just, yep. you know who they are, right, Bill? No. Well, they're like this, they were kind of the beginning of almost like the whole funk metal thing in the 90s, I guess. Right. They were more metal, but they also kind of had like a Bad Brains influence and kind of the funk thing. Okay. But they opened this album. The album was called Gumbo Millennium. It just looked like the cover it was like a picture of the world, just weird colors and stuff. But the first track is called John Connolly's Theory. And it's instrumental, and it's just this it's just like ballsy and heavy, and it's just like that's, that's badass. And I didn't realize and put it together till later. I found out that the guitar player and the front man for Nuclear Assault is John Connolly. I'm like, ah, now it makes sense. Ah. Sorry, yeah. moving around around yeah. the world. They had a, no, that's good. They had a bunch of good albums. Bunch of actually, uh, Nuclear Assault. They had a uh, Dan Loker original bass player from Anthrax when he kind of got booted from Anthrax and John Connolly I think was actually a guitar tech for Anthrax. Oh really? So that's kind of how they knew each other. Is that how it started? With Nuclear Assault? Or how what how started? Connect, or how they came together as a band? Yeah that's how that they came together that. I think. So they knew each other from the, the Anthrax that's days. That's so cool. That whole, it's all a community. But uh yeah. Bunch of, good, bunch of good stuff on that album. Hi, Millie. Would you like a lozenge? <laughs> They're still putting out good stuff today, along with Overkill. Yeah. Creator's always kind of been one of those bands. They're sort of like a... I don't know. Would you say they're more like a, more extreme, even like Slayer and that ilk, or kind of in that vein, but maybe a little more... They're in that vein, but I guess they... Because they're more I don't, aggressive. I, don't, I mean, some of their shit is really aggressive, but I mean, it's just... The vibe of it, I guess, is... I've always wondered if it's like a different vibe because it's like, you you know, it's... German. It's, yeah, it's German. It's European. It's a different mindset, maybe. Well, I mean, his name's I, I Millie, know. too, so, I mean, that could be part of it. I mean, that I'm sure, you know, being named Millie enhances your... affects your music in some way. You think? Well, like, if your name's Gene Simmons from Kiss, look what kind of music <laughs> he put out, so... <laughs> If her name is Millie, what's Millie's last name? I always forget. Petroza. Is it? That's, I think, yeah. That's, I think he's still like an Italian cab driver. <laughs> I am Millie Petroza from Creator, and you're listening to 99 Rock. <laughs> Come see us at the Sports Bar and Grill this Saturday. We're Millie. We're Creator. <laughs> Millie Petroza. <laughs> I'm an undercover cop. <laughs> <laughs> Millie. Uh, kill them all yes that's got to be on the list what else needs to be said right i mean that's a classic for sure you know it's weird even though it doesn't have the rain and the bells at the beginning kill them all to me kind of is almost in that same vein as like the first black sabbath album because there wasn't really anything like kill them all before kill them all yeah it's funny you say that because i was i was just listening to something the other day in 83 yeah and they basically because like I guess the uh, some of the early metal bands were on the rise, like at that point out in LA, like Rat, Cal, uh, Motley Crue, like the LA metal scene. Like the LA metal scene was kind of starting to pop, and then Metallica put Kill 'Em All on everybody, so that was kind of like a defining point. Like it's like to compete with them, it's like you either go heavier 
or you go lighter. And then, of course, you know, you had Theater of Pain, which is totally different than, you know, yeah. Shout at the Devil. A lot of the, a lot of the bands kind of went more glam because it's like, how is Molly Crew going to be heavier than Kill Em All? Right. I mean, as much as I like the old crew, but. But what's interesting about how that, are you going to do that? You know, apparently Metallica kind of started off sort of being more like Molly Crew than Metallica initially. Like when they first started playing the songs they were playing were more like Molly Crew kind of content, which is interesting because then they sort of changed and said, screw LA, we're getting out of here. And they go to San Francisco and it's like, that's when they became Metallica. When was Show No Mercy? I think that was 81. Or what was it, 81 or 83? Yeah, so if it... I, mean, I think that was 83, and then I think Hell Awaits is 84, 85, and then Rain and Blood's 86. Metallica just made it more... Uh, more okay. main, 83, 83. Mercy. More mainstream, I guess. Oh, so it was the same year. But Metallica kind of the songwriting was better. Like if you go back and listen to the songs on Kill 'Em All, like Four Horsemen. Oh yeah. I mean that that was an epic before there was any kind of real progressive element in metal. Like that whole thing, that middle section, the solo and the twin guitars and all. I mean, that's totally an epic. I mean, that was like the first real epic Metallica song. And then of course later they got into like the Justice stuff and all that. But well, you got to remember that's when Mega Dave was still responsible for all the riffs. That's true. Well, he up probably until the up. Black album supposedly. Oh wow! Yeah, really? that's what I've heard. That's that, what I've. Okay. That's uh, that's what I've heard. That's why they were they got all technical all the way through Justice, and then they ran out of Mega Dave riffs, and then they had to be a rock band. <laughs> that. <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. Metal nerdery, <laughs> metal conspiracy here. Yeah, I'd never yeah. heard that, but you know, no, you kinda, never heard that one. Yeah, I've heard it, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, it's like a creepy CIA cover story. It's like, yeah, we decided to slow it down, you know, be more straight ahead, which is code for, oh man, we fucking run out of his ideas, man. We got to do something original. It's like original, so you ran out of ideas, and now you're gonna slow it down. It's just like so in that day and age, like you couldn't just break your phone out and record a riff you know what i mean oh yeah so like somehow dave mustaine recorded how many albums worth of riffs and stored them away and left them with those guys so they wow. could keep putting albums out that's just i mean silly. come on whatever i don't know that's almost like i mean if, if if that's real then those guys are assholes I don't think it's real i don't i don't buy it but if, if it, it were but admit it though if it were i mean and that's kind of that's it's just cool. a funny way of looking at things, though, because, you know, the Black Album is a total, you know. I mean, if yeah, that were just real. just more commercial, yeah. I mean, if that were real, though, that would be, that'd be crazy. <laughs> that would be really crazy. <laughs> and then you have Voivod, which listen to a little bit over the years. I never really got Voivod. I mean, I know people dig them, but I just, I never, I just didn't get it. They got some decent stuff, but. I mean, I know they're respected, but I mean, to me, they're kind of like, you know, Boston Celtic Frost, you know, it's like, I just can't really, I don't, I don't really remember Voivod. Like if you put on Voivod, I couldn't tell you what it was. Just like, well, I they did, uh, they did the Pink Floyd song, Astronomy, uh, Divine or yeah. Domini, which one? However you want to say it, they did it. It was different. <laughs> Their guitar player's name was Piggy. <laughs> I see that. Pig- 
<laughs> Hi, I'm Millie Petrosa. This is my partner, Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> Undercover <Jeez>. cab drivers. <laughs> What is your favorite creator album? <laughs> <laughs> and justice for all. That's, you know, I know I should probably be, uh, I should probably let things go that bother me, but it still kind of irks me that that album has zero bass on it. It still sounds fucking good, though. Well, it sounds good because that's what it is. You know what I mean? But it's like it, it it has a unique sound. It does have a unique sound, yeah, no absolutely. Yeah. But but it's kind of like you think about it because like as good as Garage Days sounded, I was thinking I was like, okay, that was you know what was it very unproduced by Metallica. Right. I'm like, all right, if, if they pulled that off, just fucking around, then this ought to sound amazing because Rod Lightning sounded amazing, Kill 'Em All sounded amazing, Lightning mm -hmm. was amazing, Puppets was really amazing, and then I heard that and I was kind of like, where's the where's the bottom? Where's the bass? Because I thought it was going to sound, somehow I thought it was going to sound even more brutal with Jason Newstead because of the way he plays. But the fact that the bass was mixed out, which I think later they, they basically, yeah, I've, it I've was heard kind of that. the whole morning over cliff and it was kind of like, no, screw you, we're not going to even include your, like there would be just, a dicks basically. It's just. What's uh, weird to me is it still sounds, I know you can't really hear the bass, but it still has that, that bass punch to it. I don't it's know if punchy. it's I don't know if it's the drums and or the the deepness that, of the riffs, you know? I think the I think it's the drums on that one. That yeah. They're just kind of punchy. Well, they've even got it all EQ'd up where it sounds like everything's on that level cuz the guitars and the drums there's there's definitely that solid punch. Yeah. And there's that little bit of bass like it's it's slightly faint, but it's right. it's it's almost like there's some good fucking songs on that. Oh album, yeah, absolutely. Good songs. Definitely, but it's like that. Sometimes that can be the killer of an album. It's like you can have a great album, great songs, and the production is just like. Oh. I always like the production of that one. What do you think, Adam? I just don't know. In my mind, I don't. You know, I don't know why you would mix a guy out because you're sad about the old. I know you're sad about the old guy dying, but. Well, maybe that's yeah, not the reason, but, like but it still reason. seems like why would you get a new bass player and then purposefully mix them out of the fucking well, that's, album? That's what I'm getting at. It's it's like it's as many times would, as they played live too. I mean, he absolutely was playing. I mean, we yeah. saw him a ton of time ar yeah. around that that era, right? You know? So they played I mean, a ton of those and songs. And the guy that produced Justice produced Puppets, and he produced Rod Lightning. So you can't. I mean, so how Fleming? Yeah, Fleming Rasmussen. Yeah, conqueror of metal. I just, uh, I mean, you're still putting, no matter what's happened in the grand scheme of things, you're still putting a product out. Yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't want it to sound as good whole, as it can be. You know what I mean? Or as good as you and can be. And I know, and like you're know. saying, people, you know, back then, I didn't really think about it so much. I, but because yeah. I, I thought it sounded great, you yeah. know, but you it know, was, you go back in hindsight and you're like, yeah, the bass is a little lacking on it. Yeah. It's but still it is what it is. Loud and in your face. You know? I mean, That's what I like got, about it. It's still got the attitude and the energy and everything. And I mean, I love that album because I've got a lot of good memories with that album. But it's just by comparison, it's almost like the, you know, like St. Anger was like the overcorrection of that. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, they, right. they kind of tarted up the mix on Justice and then they just overturned it and messed it up on St. Anger. It's just like, hey, let's see if we can put out a turd and people will buy it. Okay. 
I'm not saying it's a, a crappy album. It's a great album. It's just, for me, it just seems like it could have sounded so much more like as killer a progression as Kill 'em All to Lightning was and Lightning to Puppets. That had the potential to be everything, you know, like the, the songwriting quality, the album quality, everything. And you didn't think it was? It was, but it's just, I, I guess, like he said, the hindsight thing. It's like, because I listen to it now and it just, it, it's still got the punch, but it just doesn't have the balls. Yeah, it, I mean, it'll still, it'll still, it'll still rattle the wolfers for sure. Oh yeah, but I mean, it's just, you know? it's like it needs. I know the what you're depth. saying. Yeah, absolutely, just, absolutely. I know what you're saying. And there's there's actually a remix floating around of Blackened, I think, where they supposedly, I guess they somebody found the track. Yeah, of yeah Jason's I've heard bass. that. I haven't, I haven't heard it, but it, I've heard it. It sounds it's out there. badass because it actually makes it. It almost gives it this more aggro kind of vibe to it. But See, it, I couldn't. It fills it in, I didn't though. listen to it because I'm like purist, kind of like what you were talking about. It's like that's. I know people do that all the time, remix albums or remastered and all that stuff. And I've listened to different stuff, but I don't know. For some reason, I just was like, I, I don't, I don't really want to listen. I mean, to I can see how it might kill the magic in a way of, of like the original memory of the original. But I album. am curious. Yeah, but it's yeah. it sounds awesome. I would recommend it. It's it's really cool. On another note, my niece who I'd never expected this from Metallica is her favorite band. Really? Yeah. And her favorite Metallica member, Cliff Burton. Oh, wow. I'm like, what? (laughs) What? What? Why? What what happened here? I didn't, I just never saw it coming. That's good. So I thought, no, I think it's awesome. My nephew, my nephew, we were in the U-Haul today and my nephew's like telling me about Kiss and the, the band members' names of Kiss and, uh, like what their characters' names were, and I mean, he's just—I was like, "How old is he?" He's like eleven, I think. Wow, somewhere around in that range. So I'm like, eh, "Get raised right." Yeah. That's like my kid. She doesn't really like metal per se, but she's been around it so long and subjected to it that she knows she's got a lot of info in her head. That's right. You know? Subjected to it. Well, there you go. Support Beneath train. the remains. Beneath the remains. That was that was my first. Uh, yeah, that's like. That's that was, a good one for sure. That was my first Sepultura. I think it's killer. The one before that, uh, Schizophrenia. Yeah, I've got that tape. That one it's was not that great. Yeah, that one was a little sketchy, but and you know what sounds bad, and y'all are probably gonna hate me for this, but I know I've heard songs from Beneath the Remains, but I don't think I've heard the album in its entirety. Oh, it's a good one. <coughs> it is a good one. It's very, very good. It's very, very. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to have to fix that then. Yeah, a lot of good songs, a lot of good songs. It's just got a real brutal kind of sound to it. Big time. Well, I remember I think in high school, like, because I remember people wearing, like, those shirts, and they were talking about them, like, they were kind of the next big thing in metal, and it was like, who? And that was kind of at the point where I started, I'd gotten into, like, Metallica and stuff like that, and I was starting to take the descent into, like, the darker stuff and the the off-the-grid you know stuff like some of the European bands and stuff like that but that's definitely one of those albums I do want to check out I've got it on cassette 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 you, you right. can as my wife would say is. a tape cassette a tape cassette, tape cassette. alright <laughs> excuse me do you have a, a tape cassette with, about how to cook carne asada steak <laughs> <laughs> so of course my kid was making fun of her she's like is that like a disc compact <laughs> <laughs> There's another classic right there. The Legacy. Legacy. 
That's right. Absolutely. I remember the first time I looked at that and I saw the you know the initials for Curse of the Legions of Death. Cotlod. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey man, y'all gonna play that new hit song, Cotlod? Come on, <laughs> Cotlod, man. I just uh, I hey. think the first thing I heard off of that was uh, "Over the Wall," mm. and I was like, "Oh yeah, hey, amen." Yeah, I'm check, in. Check out my cot lot, dude. Check it out. It's over the wall, man. I'm serious. What did you just look at? Over the wall was a badass opener, though. That that whole album, because I think Chuck Billy at that point, that was before he got super into the guttural stuff. No, nah, he was still kind of a little bit upper register. But he had that almost yeah. kind of like that psychotic banshee thing going on. Like, I mean, it's just crazy. There's so many good, so many good songs on that one. Oh yeah. But I remember the first time I heard Cotlot, I was just like, wow, that's crazy. Because I was like, what does that stand for? And for those of you who don't know, Curse of the Legions of Death. Bravo. Ta-da. Oh, okay, now they've got it in yeah. parentheses. Alone in the Dark. Yeah. That was always one of my favorites. I always thought The Haunting was really cool. Yeah, I, that Raging Waters. Raging Waters, yeah. yeah. That was a good one. For, and of course, deadly. of course. Cotlot, I mean. Cotlot. <laughs> All right, y'all. We're going. We got a new song coming up here on the radio. Uh, it's a new band out of California. They're called uh, Testament, and they got a song called Cotlot. They're going to play for you. Take it away, boys. <laughs> Cotlot. Yeah, I think. I think their drummer might have been hanging out with uh, Millie Petrosi, Louis Clementine. <laughs> <laughs> a new band with a. Uh, Millie Petroza. Hi, I'm Millie Petroza. <laughs> this is my partner, Louis Clemente. He drives me around. We go check out cases all over town. We got a boombox we set up and play metal while we're trying to do homicide work. It's a hard life, but we love it. And we're always rocking out. And you're listening to 96.4 at the Rock Metal Station. Oh, you're fucking killing me. Billy Petrova, I just, that's good. I can't uh, leave it alone. Yeah, I want to thank you for that. You, the one thing about Louis Clemente, I got to say this real quick, which. Clemente. Louis Clemente. Louis's got a disease. I don't know what's wrong with him. But the one thing, Testament was never very strong in the drum department until like later. Because Louis Clemente. But you know what? You know what, though? If you go back and you listen. On the legacy, I thought he was like he kicked ass. Well, I mean, it was and balls then, out straight ahead, but it was nothing fancy, really. But but it seems like after that, he's yeah, it, it kind of got simplified or something. I don't know, but but I know what you're saying. But that's like I think it, I think like the first album, he he put in a good performance. Uh, yeah, and I mean, then it just kind of got. Eh. But then it's like once they got like like when Lombardo Dave Lombardo came in and did the gather, the gathering, yeah, the gather. The gathering, the gathering of the gather, but that was well, then, like, well, they had then they well, had Paul Bostaff was in yeah, there too. Bostaff, and then uh, you had uh, other John, dude. John Deddy, I think he was in fact, he was with Slayer. No, but the too. other guy, there was what were you looking for? So it wasn't um, wasn't technical enough for you? Is no, where no, where, it was just, where you're going. Well, I mean, Louis Clemente, I mean, he had like on the legacy, he had power. But most of the stuff he played was just like your typical thrash, you know, kick, snare, kick, snare, kick, snare. Nothing real acrobatic, I guess. And then, of course, when Paul Bostaff got in, there was a little more, I guess, flair, maybe, is what is the word I'm looking for. And that sounds kind of not metal, but <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, Paul Bostaff's a very, you know, different kind of player than Louis Clemente is. 
Of course, Dave Lombardo is a way different kind of player than either Paul Bostaff or Louis Clement. Okay, I'm wrong. I, th- I thought they had a, another drummer for a while, but I thought, I forget, I thought that John guy James Day. Murphy was a kick-ass guitar player. Yeah. Jo- okay. So John, is it, it's either John Dead or John Deddy. So he played it live on the Fillmore album. So he was a live drummer only. Lombardo, The Gathering. Yes. Oh, you know they did a, a re-release of uh, the Formation of Damnation. I think it was like a ten year anniversary thing last year, maybe. No, I didn't know that. I don't. I don't know how it's different. Yeah, we've had a one new shitty song that you didn't want to hear. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> All right, well, probably not shitty, but you know, Among the Living, yes, uh, classic, absolutely. Uh, it's that's kind of where uh, my my anthrax started. Yeah, me Among too. Among the Living, yeah. of course, I checked out the previous after I got into that, but. Yeah. Uh, I actually started listening to Anthrax before Metallica. Really? Yeah, I got into Anthrax oh, wow. uh, for some reason. That's in my unusual. memory, anyway. Hmm. I was like, and then I found Metallica. I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a weird progress. I mean, I guess Metallica was the first one I heard, and I think I might have gone to Anthrax before I went to Slayer after Metallica. I think I was I think I was um, Sabbath, Maiden, then Metallica. Oh, so you started old school then. Well, I kind of did yeah. that too. Well, I started well, with my like, parents had Sabbath albums. Oh, okay, so, so you had something uh, to start with. Yeah, 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 head start. I did, yeah. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> All you need is the first six. Some would say. I mean, there are other ones that are good too, but NMP cells, of course, that's still good. Although, something about Among the Living is a different vibe than P cells for sure. Uh, way more metal. Excuse me. Thanks. Was that loud and clear? Yeah. <laughs> Delicious. Anthrax is one of those bands, though. It's like they, uh, they, they, they kind of had a up and down momentum, like in the eighties and even early nineties. They were like, even when they changed singers and they got John Bush. I like that stuff. Some people didn't. I thought it was good. It it was what it, it, it worked. It was for different. It was, it was yeah. different. It was a little bit. It's like trying to complain Hagar versus uh, Roth and Halen. Yeah. It's just they're different. Yeah, really a little bit different. Kind of grittier type sound, I guess. They're still going at it. And uh, well, Joey's back now. But yeah, I mean, Joey's back. Yeah. But uh, but then they would have like long stretches where it was like eight years without an album. And it's like, hey, it's like know, Boston or Metallica. Yeah, but it's or like Tool. if you if you were one of those kind of bands, you couldn't go eight years and keep a fan base. Yeah. Without putting out an album, you know what I mean? If you weren't one of the pioneers of the genre, but they just they kind of went up and down, and then like. At one point, John Bush was out, and then they got this other guy whose name I can't remember, and he was like supposedly in the studio working on some stuff, and then they got rid of him, and then like Belladonna came back, and then like there was a tour with the two of them together, and I don't know, just just all this weird stuff. Mm. But now they're kind of back to normal, though, right? I mean, Joey's in, they put out what worship music, and then uh, For All Kings, and yeah. I think they got another one in the works. Yeah, they got another one. It's it's basically the original. Uh, well, can't say original band, but it's it's the most well known lineup minus Danny Spitz because he's making watches. But that new lead guitar player mm-hmm. they got's pretty badass, though. I mean, that dude. Oh, uh, they got from. Uh, I forget what other band he was in, but he was impressive for sure. Let's find out, shall we? I can't. Uh, he was in uh, Shadows Fall. Shadows Fall. I don't have to look. Ah, it up. my metal brain decided to work. There you go. Shadows Fall. Yeah. Dun dun. 
Well, then they had before him, they had Rob Caggiano, which could be in a band with Louis Clemente and uh, Millie Petroza. <coughs> Millie Petroza. <laughs> but Rob Caggiano, he, he was in the band for a while. And then he decided he was going to, he, he left the band because he didn't want to play in a band anymore. He wanted, he wanted to make pasta and travel around with Millie Petroza all the time. Doing investigations. Selling pasta at police crime scenes. <laughs> He wanted to he wanted to focus on uh producing albums, right? So like he quits Anthrax because he doesn't want to be in a band, produces the next Volbeat album, and then he's a member of Volbeat playing in a band going on tour. So All it's right. like, okay. That almost yeah. kind of sounds like some sneaky shit, like, I don't want to be in a relationship with you, and it's like I want to go be with them, but I'm not gonna be in a relationship <laughs> with them, but I really am. Yeah, I so just it was, just, it was kind of weird to me, it seemed. Hmm. Plus, that guy, I never trusted him anyway because he always wore one of those freaking knit uh, toboggan uh, type, whatever caps, whatever, <laughs> whatever the official name is for those things. You know, the knit, uh, what do people call them, beanies? Or, oh, it's yeah. part of the pothead ensemble. He's like, he had a full head of long hair and he hmm. wore one of those hats. He looked like a long like, shoreman. You'd basically. see him live. I mean, you've been under live. Oh, yeah lights in a live situation i mean how do you wear a hat like that i Wetly. would roast to death of course that goes the same with all these guys and bands that are playing in leather jackets i would die oh yeah i couldn't do it but anyway that's another story peace hills goes without saying yep devil's island peace hills is just one of those albums too it's kind of just sort of magic all the way through yeah i always I, my first one on that that i heard was wake up dead and that's still like i don't know something about that song just mm. It's it got a weird ass, it, but it's got a weird vibe to it because yeah. it's so not a traditional no. song structure. No, not at all. Because it just comes in, just digi, 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 digi. It's like, whoa, what the hell's going on? And, just, <laughs> and then it goes into like a verse and then sort of a solo, and then like this weird kind of breakdown section. And it's like, what's, what's happening? Yeah. And then it comes back like, briefly, and then it wraps up with a solo, and then it's over. It's like. What the hell happened? This is not the it's traditional just, structure. It just kind of comes out and bludgeons you, and all right, we're out. All right. <laughs> I just dig it. Always liked it. Good Morning Black Friday was always one of those songs, too, like that progressive-y kind of, you know, the big, long intro. You know, every metal, thrash metal album back in the 80s definitely had to have like a oh, yeah, yeah, clean yeah, intro or right. acoustic guitar. Yep. This is slightly, this beautiful Slightly evil-sounding. Yeah. Uh, possessed is a speaking never, of that. Yeah, never really listened to Possessed. Yeah. I don't think I have either. I actually pulled that album Number up eight. I think, uh, a week or so ago to listen to it a little bit, and it sounds dated. Like if you listen to Slayer from then, it doesn't sound as dated. But if you listen to Possessed, it, it sounds kind of stuck in that period, like in the eighties. Oh, yeah. it, it didn't age well. I mean, I I can see the the vibe of it and at the time maybe I might have been into it as a kid but yeah I don't think it aged well but then yeah. since I wasn't into it back then that probably explains why I'm not into it now yeah. uh, I've got nothing to say about it yeah. <laughs> but then there's the uh, the exodus again bonded by blood so Paul Baloff was the first singer and then Steve Souza was the second singer for exodus right, right? yeah and then they had that which one died? I think Sousa. Salsa. Salsa. Sousa. 
don't know why I was thinking it was, but you know what's interesting? Yeah, it might have been. I don't know. I think Paul Baloff and Steve Souza had very similar uh, voices. Yeah, they did. Which is unusual because you usually don't see that too often in bands, although I guess, you know, Alice and Jane's pull it off. Okay, so Sue, okay, Sue's is still alive, so Baloff's the one who bit the dust. I think they're working on a new album also. Yeah, I think so too. The last one was pretty good, the Blood In, Blood Out. The last ones I heard was, uh, I think, like, Shovel-Headed Kill Machine, Tempo of the Damn. That's when they had that other singer. Who's... Oh, yeah, the dude with the... He, look, he looked like a longshoreman for sure. Forget his name. And I remember it was kind of oh, Ron, Rob Dukes. That's, that's, it. Rob that's Dukes. it, Rob yeah. Dukes. Yeah. Does he have I a thought face he was tattoo? good. Oh, no, I think it's just a shadow. Is it? I don't know. It looks like a face tattoo. Nah, I don't think so. Like on his head? No, that's a shadow. It's called uh, sweat. Maybe it, dirt. It looks like blood. <laughs> it looks like he will beat your ass. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't look like it. Yeah. You'll piss him off. <laughs> Not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like a very upstanding gentleman. I'm Millie Petrosa. Yeah. I'm here to arrest Rob Dukes of murder. He just looks like it. He's got a face tattoo, <laughs> but not really. Nick Destroyer actually did a cover of uh, Burning of Sodom, which is actually a, a badass tune. But the Dark Angel version, it's kind of like all that, that thrash in the 80s where it was like they're trying to fit in all the words as much as possible in a song. Where it's like, you know, it's like, how can you understand that? But I'm not really familiar with them. I'm not familiar with them, but I know they were uh, pretty influential, which mm-hmm. probably should check them out. I know, mm-hmm. I know that guy, Gene Hoagland, I've, I've listened to some out. He did. Uh, He's a master. He played drums on a strapping young lad. A uh, bunch of stuff. Yeah, he's been all over the place. He actually he's played a, on He's a monster. Yeah. Freaking drummer, yeah. Hmm. And he's Absolutely. a big dude, too. He is a big dude. He yeah. plays like a mother. And he's just. He looks like Rob yeah. Dukes, except with long hair. <laughs> Way cooler. <laughs> We're up to number five. Yeah, yeah, right. Millie Petroza here again with our next album, Pleasure to Kill on Rock 103.1, The Rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> the Rodeo? I don't know. Let's do that out there. The rodeo. <laughs> WRDO? I don't know. <laughs> Radio stations are stupid. They don't exist anymore. It's the morning zoo. I don't know enough about creators' older stuff. Like, I know Coma, I'm very familiar with Coma of Souls, but I would almost argue that kind of got into like sort of pop, not poppy, but mellower probably than like the older creator stuff. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like more streamlined, maybe? Because the older stuff seemed to be way more aggressive and like super intense. And then Coma of Souls kind of had more of that dialed in approach. I don't want to say it was Creator's Black Album, but I guess if you had to draw a comparison, maybe that would be the closest thing to it. 90? Yeah, that's right, I guess. Yeah, they they got tied in with Epic then, so... Yeah, they were with Epic before that, too, so... Yeah, it was a little more... I guess it wasn't quite as, like, extreme. Come of Souls? Yeah, yeah was, I don't think it was. It's kind of more like they're uh, south of heaven, maybe. Mm. Yeah, that's probably a good good comparison because the stuff I remember hearing before like the older creator stuff was just always just that kind of almost cacophonous just that really you know just crazy but then Como Souls just kind of had more power and groove to it I guess I just like how I like how all these came out in the 80s there's a common theme 
lightning, of course. Of course. Yeah, light, and well, okay. As uh, soon as I said that, here comes Rust in Peace. Ironically, the, the big four final albums, yeah, Lightning, right. Rust in Peace. Of course, Puppets Rust in Peace is uh, kind of one of those. I call it a thrasher piece. Ah, I see what you did there. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what? I don't know what you can say bad about it. I think Rust, in, Rust in Peace is what should have happened probably after Peace Sells and without So Far So Good So What. I mean, not that that was a bad album. I like it for what it was, but Rust in Peace, just something about that album. It all it, it clicked, man. Right. Just on a hundred percent, just clicked. Everything about. I mean, even the production. Just it, it's like it. It's like it was a package deal. Like the songs, and the production, and the artwork. I mean, Dave's always got the crazy political artwork stuff, but the whole vibe of that album was just solid for sure. Almost, I don't know. Would you argue it's better than Peace Sells? It's a different album for sure. I think on some level it might be, but I think it might be just in terms of songwriting. I mean, song I didn't listen to it a lot. Really? Rest in peace. Yeah, I mean, really? I had it and I'm I listened out. to it, but I, I just like I stuck with the same kind of stuff and just stayed with it. I didn't more P cell style or like that, and so far so good, or just no. Uh, Megadeth in general. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I just I never really got into them like everybody else did. They were kind of like that, though. I kind of think back then it was almost like you were either in the Metallica camp or the Megadeth camp. I always liked both of them. I, I never did really, too, but... I didn't really pick sides in that. But there was never like a yeah, like you know, I love this one more than that one. It was like I like them for what they are, respectively. Well, you know, I mean, you may know. I don't know. Uh, going into that album i guess that was leading up to it that was he was trying to get dime bag to uh, play guitar i guess that was before they uh broke cowboys when did cowboys come out 90 90, 90 so or, same year so that's it was 90 so pantera i guess but anyway so he was talking to dime bag and dime bag was like i guess he was talking to him about it but he's like if i do it then he's got to come with me. And Dave's like, well, I've already hired uh, Nick Menza to play drums. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, you know, I've already hired Nick Menza. I can't, you know, I've, I've uh, my drummer's spot is set. So I don't, you know. So Dimebag was like, well, it's a package deal. He's like, if I come, my brother comes, you know. So <laughs> but ima- can you imagine? Uh, there'd be no Pantera as we know it. Right, there would be no Pantera, but how would, how would, how would Dimebag and Vinny have fit in with? It would Megadeth, man. Uh, that would Dime have been was, a, Dime was way too much of a his own thing to even be with Dave. There's just no way that would have worked. I don't, I don't see how. His voice is is I think what just kind of made me not just completely get into him. <laughs> what do you mean? Exactly. I'm sorry, Dave, but. Well, I've had I've had people tell me that Dave was actually really smart because he started off sounding like shit. So I mean, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Start out sounding like crap. You got nothing to worry about, right? right. So I don't. Right. I mean, the music was always killer for sure, yeah. but I just couldn't continually listen to him over and over like I could other bands. Just, right. Just yeah. Bill prefers they would have done the just for all treatment of the vocals. <laughs> all right. <laughs> no, we don't know what happened with the... It's an instrumental. Vocal. <laughs> you know, 
What vocal mix? <laughs> That's gone forever. Kind of skipped right over lightning there. Yeah, we, how, how did we? I guess we did, didn't we? Yeah, we kind of talked about it earlier. So yeah, that's true. But then you got puppets. Which <sighs> that is, was my first Metallica purchase. I think it was mine too. I love that. There's, there's not even today when I'm I sure to it was album, mine. It had to be mine as well. That is a time machine album. Every time I listen to that album, it's like I'm 14 again because it's well, just, I, the intensity is still there. Yeah. Well, I called the Rust in Peace a thrasher piece, but puppets was that too earlier you know what i mean like i guess in a different way they, that sort of set the but, bar yeah i mean that just was like oh, it was just so killer I oh mean, yeah the sound the sound of it was every mm. everything about it was just the it's almost got a and i don't say this about too many albums but that album particularly it's got a real haunting kind of vibe to it because there's something about it is so complete the theme of the album the artwork the mix, the vibe, I mean, it's just all the way through solid. It does kind of suck that Cliff Burton died after that. It's yeah. like, why, why couldn't Kirk Hammett's watt pedal be killed in that crash? Why? Well, I mean, the last sentence here, if you don't own it, you suck at metal. There you yeah. go. You, you don't know how to metal if you don't own Master of Puppets. My niece knows how to metal, so, you know, I mean, come on. Yeah, figure there it out. Get your there was together. a spot in my in the tape that I had in the middle of uh, Love of Messiah. And and to this day, like whenever I hear that song, when that spot comes on, <laughs> um, just, uh, the tape would always just go, whoa, whoa, and then start back. Really? And, yeah, for whatever reason. <laughs> and then, you know, in my mind, every time I hear that song, uh, you hear that? I hear that, whoa. <laughs> what, where, That's how what, much you listen to it, right? I guess so. Yeah. What yeah. part is it? Like the tape slows down and almost stops and then starts again? Yeah, or? yeah. It was just something weird with with my tape, I guess you know. Well, another my, part my tape of like, cassette, like the very very beginning of the song, <laughs> where you could hear him like fucking around in the background, like you hear the bass, like the like what you just said. Yeah, no, 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 it wasn't no, that. that. It was part. like in the middle of the song. Oh, okay, yeah. bow to the rippers. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, number one, Slayer, raining blood. Yeah, rain and blood. Sorry. Come on, man. We're play. Get into it. You know, I have a funny story about Rain and Blood I have to share. So I was, I was raised. Well, that's enough of that. What else can uh, I talk about? <laughs> but when I first got Rain and Blood, because I was already into Metallica and I got Peace Cells and I think I got Among the Living, and I was like, all right, Slayer was the next step because they were darker and they were faster and more aggressive. And I was like, all right, I'm, I want to check this out. And back then, I think it was right after that came out and everybody was talking about Rain and Blood. So I got it. I looked at the back of the cassette and it had the same songs on both sides. I thought, that's kind of weird. I've never seen, you know, a tape with the, I thought, how can they do that? Well, first I was like, why would they do that? But then I was like, how? And I realized it was was so short. It was 29 minutes. That (laughs) album is like 29 minutes, 29 minutes of of a thrasher piece on both sides. But it, it freaked me out so much because I was raised all churchy and stuff that the lyrics, because I could hear the lyrics and it was so dark and freaky and intense. I was just like, oh, I can't, I can't hang on to this man. I got to get rid of this. And I like gave it to a friend of mine. Of course, I ended up buying it later when my balls dropped and I actually wasn't scared <laughs> of metal anymore. But Did, didn't you? You traded me that, didn't you? No, I think I gave that to, straight up. It was a girl. <laughs> no, here's where I screwed up. This is even worse. This is worse. You traded me something. No, for MSG. I think. I gave him Sacred Reich Ignorance. That's it. A quality, quality album. 
Right. And I got one of his MSG <laughs> Macaulay Shanker group tapes. Right. And I'm like, man, I got fucked on that deal. <laughs> that. that was horrible. I couldn't believe it at the time. I was like, I like the guy, but what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Slayer. I'll take Slayer. Yeah. Not Slayer. Second Reich. Sorry. Yeah. yeah way, I'll way take better. Way better improvement. Yeah, that was oh, well. a, that was a horrible trade. Oh well, it happens. It happens. That's another album that is just you can't get loud enough. Right. Absolutely. Rain and blood. That's one of those albums I'd just, like to hear over like an excellent sound system, like at a party yeah, at somebody's house. Just loud as shit, and man, it sounds so good. Well, well, that's like, well, whenever I hear it in the car, it's just as loud as it can go without busting the speakers. Man, I just want to fucking scream. But it's just the way it's just so directed in your face. Talk about punchy. I mean, that whole thing's punchy. The drums, the guitars, oh, yeah. the vocals, the lyrics. I mean, they're all God in damn. your goddamn face. Plus, well, like the, uh, you remember the tour when they did Raining Blood and they had the rig set oh, up above yeah. them and it would, it, it like rain mm. down blood on top of them. And they're, yeah, there, there's a cool part of the very end of that, like when they come off the stage after they finish that. And they come running off the stage. Carrie King's like covered in all this red stuff. He's like, "Woo, that's a rock show." <laughs> <laughs> like, it is a rock yeah, show. It is a rock Absolutely. show, bro. Absolutely. Sounds like you're drowning in blood, but yeah, it's a rock show. So that was more awesome best thrash metal albums of all time. Yeah, I think we uh, everything was '80s except Rust in Peace. Well, if you want to be one of those like smarmy people, it's like, oh, well, technically 1990 was really the end of the 80s. Then technically, I guess that would be part of the 80s, too. Well, but we're not those people. All right, guys, until the next. Nerd out. <laughs>